Good morning. Like Brian said, my name is Ken. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Road. <clears throat> if you've been here for a while, you kind of know this is a, obviously it's a different kind of Sunday for us. Usually Kevin's up here. But last week we started, <clears throat> we started a kind of a different series for us. We're doing a five-week series on the rhythms in the life of a, of a follower of Jesus. Normally, we take a book of the Bible and verse by verse just go through it. Just two weeks ago, we finished, a, I believe it was a 40-week study on the book of Mark. And so before we jump into Ecclesiastes in September, we're just going to take five weeks right now and talk about what are the rhythms, the everyday rhythms in the life of a follower of Jesus. So today, <clears throat> we are going to look at uh, how the Word of God becomes a part of the rhythm of our life and how we can make the Word of God part of the rhythm of our lives. So we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about a few things. Our main passage we're going to go to, I want to read a few verses just from the main passage we're going to look at, which is in John chapter 15. If you got a Bible near you, you can grab one. We're going to show a couple of verses. We're going to read a few verses from there. Uh, we're going to talk about a few other things. And then we're going to come back and really go through uh, a larger section of John chapter 15. But when we talk about the Word of God and it being a part of the rhythm of our lives, I want us to think about a few key words that Jesus used at the end of his ministry. If you look at John chapter 15, verses 5 to 8, and like I said, we're going to read this whole section in a, in a few minutes. But Here's something that Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Well, uh, so we're saying there's a few rhythms that we as Christ followers want to build into our lives. The first one we want to think about is the Word of God. Um, <clears throat> if somebody could give me a glass of water, uh, Mike was gracious enough. To move. I, I went to move the, this podium, the first service, about knocked me over. So Michael came up and graciously moved the... I'm a little weaker than Mike, so, but uh, if somebody gave me a glass of water, I think I'm going to need it. Um, when we talk about the Word of God, I want to, first of all, have us think for a few minutes about how God has interacted with the world through His Word from the beginning. Uh, <clears throat> in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we talk about building the word of God into the rhythms of our lives. We first of all have to reconcile ourselves with that God's power has always come through his word. John's about to fall and throw it all over. The... Thank you. Um, so God's power... He always places his power and he places emphasis on his words. Even from the beginning, when, 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 what the writer of Hebrews says is that God just didn't take things that existed, kind of put them in a certain order, and, and, and then kind of create, form the world out of those things. He spoke into nothing. And just by using his words, he created everything that you and I see, even the, even the, 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 the first human beings. Everything that you and I see, he spoke into existence. So when we talk about taking the Word of God 
and moving it into the rhythms of our lives. Last week, Kevin used the uh, illustration, used kind of the metaphor of pressing the words of the gospel and the truths of the gospel into the corners of our hearts and our minds that still are shaped by unbelief. In, 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 in beliefs that are contrary to the gospel, when we, we talk about taking that word and moving it into the corners of our hearts and minds, we're talking about something that is powerful. Taking the words of God that actually spoke into being everything that you and I see, taking those words and, and, and moving it into the corners in the, of our hearts and our minds. If you look to the Old Testament, God, even throughout the Old Testament, uh, interact with people through his words. We look at, you can see the prophets in the Old Testament. You see Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Some of them wrote words down. Some of them just spoke words. But God, when he wanted to uh, reveal himself to his people, he often sent prophets with words. These words were sometimes good. They were sometimes hard. They were sometimes spoke of future judgment. They sometimes uh, were, uh, were, were beautiful pictures of what heaven would be like. But when he wanted to interact with people, he sent prophets. Then we look at also the way God set up kings over his people, King David, King Solomon. And he often revealed himself through the words of of kings. When we look at David, we see the psalms he wrote and the, the poetry he wrote. And God was showing the, the beautiful side of him. We look at Solomon, read the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. We see that God was increasing people's wisdom through the words of his kings. All right? And then if you look at the, the, uh, the whole uh, system of religion they set up, through the law, we see that the law was taught through, by priests when he wanted to exhort his people. He wanted to show them how they should make their daily decisions. He sent a priest with words. So all throughout the history of the Old Testament, there were prophets, priests, kings who came to God's people with words. And those words were a reflection of exactly what God wanted them, to, wanted them to be aware of right then. He increased their knowledge of him. And he spoke to them. He moved into their world through words. And then as we go to the New Testament, we actually see what we would say is the climactic moment in the history of the world when Jesus came. We look at John chapter 1, uh, verse 1. It's, John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word was with God. And then in verse 14, he goes on and says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen its glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John, when he saw Jesus, we look at Jesus, we say, Jesus is God the Son. He's God, he, he, he is fully God, fully man. But John, Jesus looked at him, John looked at him and described Jesus as the actual word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us. So when God wanted for people to see him, in human form, see what he was fully like, to actually touch him, interact with him, ask him questions, even, even, even abuse him and reject him. He, he, made his, he, he took his words and put them in flesh in the form of Jesus. So when we talk about being people who take the word of God and make it a part of our everyday rhythms, we are talking about something that people have done since the beginning of time. And we're talking about something that's powerful, that's alive, that's transformative, possibly even dangerous in our lives, scary in our lives. But when we talk about this, we're talking about a way that God has interacted with people from the beginning. He's always moved into our lives through words. Now, you may be sitting there saying, 
you know, I, I, I like hearing people talk about God. I like, you know, maybe hearing some different things, reading some things. But I, I really would just love to see God really. You know, why does he hide himself behind him? Why doesn't he actually just come in and let us see him? And we may, we may say, I would really love to actually finally see him and just know this is really what God is like. If we were to look at the scriptural accounts of people who actually encountered the physical presence of God, we'd probably come to the conclusion that we really actually don't want that. People who actually physically encountered God feared for their actual existence. They feared for their lives. They weren't, they weren't sure if they were going to survive actually meeting God. And so what we can really say is that God in his mercy has given us his word that we can abide in, that we can make a part of our everyday lives so that he in the right time can push out unbelief that is offensive to him because someday we will stand before him. And through his word today, he's preparing us for these things. Through his mercy, he's bringing us into his physical presence at the right time so we don't fear for our lives. So we're talking about a tremendous mercy of God, uh, that, that the power of God, the actual Word made flesh can now be a part of our lives and we can abide in this like we just read. So we want, to, we want to ask, we're asking ourselves, how can we as people who emphasize the gospel, how can we make the truth of the gospel part of our everyday lives? And we want to look back at John chapter 15 because Jesus gives us some clear, some clear, clear uh, help with this here. Uh, just for a little background, this is the last night before Jesus is crucified in John chapter 15. He's with his disciples. They've spent about two and a half to three years with him. And really, they just spent two and a half to three years with the word that became flesh, the word of God that they could actually touch and hear and ask questions of and learn from directly. And he's getting them ready for the fact that he's returning to the Father. So basically, he's getting them ready for the, the, the reality that we have, that we don't have Jesus in the flesh here, that we can see and touch. And they're about to start that same reality. So he's saying, here's what I want you to keep in mind. And this is what he says. I'm the vine. I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Like I said, we're going to spend a majority of our time right here in John chapter 15. So I want to point out a few things that are probably pretty obvious to all of us. The first thing that Jesus says is, he's the vine, we are the branches. He says it a few different times. What he's really saying is, he says it multiple times, that he's the important one that we connect to. We connect to him. He's, he's connected in the, in the earth. He's, like the big, the, he's the big vine with the roots. He's where the nourishment comes from. We connect to him and he produces fruit in us. We as branches, as a little branches connected him, we don't produce fruit. We produce fruit as fruit is produced in us as we stay connected to him. So that, this is a first, that's a big, pretty big important point here. As I think about the little branch connecting to the big vine, uh, just, for, 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 just for our sake, I wonder 
what is the energy that that branch has to put out? What is he, what, what's the effort that a little branch has to put out? If the branch is sitting there saying, I got to produce grapes, I got to produce fruit here, he, he, he's not thinking the right way. If, but if the branch is saying, I got to stay, I got to remain in the vine, I got to abide in this vine, I got to hold on here, and he puts his effort into staying into the vine, fruit will come. And that's a big point for you and I. If you and I want to see fruit in our lives, spiritual fruit in our lives, we're going to look at that in a minute, we have to reconcile ourselves with where do we put our energy? Is it into producing fruit or is it into abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus, remaining in him, holding on to him? And we're going to see very clearly what that looks like. The second thing that's pretty important, Jesus says it very clearly, we're already clean. So when he talks about abiding in the word and we talk about taking the word of God and uh, making it part of our everyday rhythms, we are already clean because of what Jesus has done. This has nothing to do. Our engagement with the word of God daily, weekly, monthly doesn't, doesn't make us more or less uh, enjoyable to God. He has already made us clean because of the work that Jesus already did. And our cleanness is already determined by Jesus, by our believing in him and being brought into him. So we're clean. He's talking about something different. He's not talking about making ourselves more enjoyable or more attractive to God because we're already clean. Something we need to be really careful of. The third thing, third little observation is pretty clear here. He says that abiding in Jesus leads to prayer. It leads to me asking. He says in the end, if you abide in me, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to go back to the rhythm of prayer. Michael's going to talk about it, uh, I believe, the first weekend of September. Uh, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that rhythm. But this abiding in Jesus, taking and abiding in the Word of God, uh, naturally will lead us to asking God in, in, in prayer. It's another whole rhythm we want to talk about in the, eventually. Here's the fourth little thing. It's very obvious. We're going to spend a little more time kind of talking about this. We cannot bear spiritual fruit unless we remain in Jesus. But what we, maybe you ask the question, what, what, what is the spiritual fruit? What's, what's Jesus talking about here? When we talk about spiritual fruit, what are we talking about? Later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Galatians, he describes his fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, this is what he says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see this list, I would like all of this to be evident in my life. I, I would love to see love and joy and patience. But we're talking about abiding in Jesus, saying you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in me. Now, I think he's talking about, some, uh, talking about this kind of fruit, also fruit in other people's lives. Uh, in, in, in the form of people maybe coming to him. But I, we want to talk about, I, I want to focus on this fruit of the Spirit and how this becomes real in our lives. Uh, um, I, we, if, if any of you here are husbands or fathers, or, or uh, we have a command to love our wives. And, and, and many of us want to be people who love. And when I look at my wife, I, I know I'm commanded to love my wife. But in, in some ways, it's kind of natural for me to love my wife. She's good-looking. She makes good food. I mean, what's not to love? You know, so it's easy for me. It's kind of a natural inclination for me to love my wife. I got four kids. They're like me. I would like to hang out with them if they weren't my kids. So, I mean, hey, it's easy to love them, you know, uh, because they're like me, you know. Uh, but, but when I look at my natural inclination to love my wife, 
That doesn't always cut it. I, as, I've been married for over 20 years, and I can see that if I depend upon my natural inclination to love my wife, I'm in trouble. That there are times that I may love my wife, but it may not actually be uh, mixed or, or, or combined with uh, goodness or self-control. That if it's something that I generate, very often it, it, the, 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 there, there's, there's a side of it that doesn't necessarily reflect all that I want to see there. I, I may not say to my kids what I really should be saying if I'm just depending on my inclination to love them. Because it's not combined with self-control. I may kind of be doing what I hope they want me to do. Because I'm depending upon my own ability to love them. But if I look at the truths of the gospel, and if I'm trying to see the gospel move out into all the areas of my life, one of the things I may have to do is actually repent of this area of belief that says, I can produce these fruits, this goodness, this self-control, just on my own. If I try hard enough, I can love my wife. If I try hard enough, I can, I can exercise self-control. That's another area that many of us look at and we kind of go, I would love to have more self-control in how I use my time or how I eat or if I exercise enough. And all around our culture, there are different ways to help us become more self-controlled or to uh, uh, specifically self-control. In many ways, these are a reflection of uh, uh, of of a decision in our culture to live outside of God, to find these fruits on our own. And Jesus says, you cannot bear these fruits outside of me. So the first thing that I have, to be aware, I have to reconcile myself with is that if I want to put my energy, if I want to apply myself to following after Jesus and allowing his word to abide in me and to, put, and to dwell in my whole life, I need to put my energies into, into that rather than trying to produce these fruits on my own. Uh, so, so we, we're asking ourselves, do we believe the gospel? Last week, Kevin talked about how we always live according to our beliefs. And, and many of us, I have to often acknowledge, I have to acknowledge my belief is that I can produce these things on my own. I can live. I can produce the fruit I want to see in my life on my own. If I believe the gospel, if we're going to believe the gospel, it, it, it will often start with first acknowledging I cannot produce the fruit in my life that I want to see on my own. So we want to be people who believe the gospel. Let's believe the gospel. Clearly, we see, the first thing we see here is that, like we said, that Jesus is divine. We are a small branch connects to him. All throughout this here, we then see what is the role that the Father plays in this. And the first two verses we read there is that Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. But then in verse 8, he goes on and he says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So the first thing Jesus says, the first thing we wanted to point out is that Jesus is divine. We connect to him. The Father, his role, he's the role of a vine dresser. The gardener, the one who takes care of the whole garden, the whole vineyard, the whole vine. And he does a few things. He prunes things. He sees this part is fruitful. I, 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 I support it so that it bears more fruit. 
And, and we see two things that are very important to him. One, he cares about fruit. He looks at your life, he looks at my life, and he says, I want to see fruit because of the second thing that he's very concerned about, his glory. He says, if you bear fruit, if you show the fruit, the love, joy mixed with patience and goodness and self-control, I look like a good gardener. I look like a good vine dresser, and I'm concerned with my glory. Some of you know that I'm a, uh, I, I, I'm a gardener. I live uh, in Spencerport. We got a small lot, and I've turned a lot of this, our, our lot, into, into a garden. And I particularly like to garden and raise tomatoes. Um, I have six tomato plants in my garden this year. And about, about a week ago, I went out in my garden, and our, my tomatoes had become a tomato jungle. There were dark places there that you would not want your children or small animals to go into. You couldn't see any tomatoes. It was just this wall of green that had overgrown, and it was scary. So I went to my garden. I took my little shears. I, I have this hat that I was going to bring. It's, when I wear this, my wife and kids refer to me lovingly as Farmer Ken. And uh, so I put my hat on. I went out there, and I started just taking little vines, different vines, and I, I, I decided which ones are bearing fruit, which ones are not. And I started cutting off small branches and parts of these tomato plants. And I eventually began to see that there was tomatoes in there. And so, I, so if there was a branch or a vine that had tomatoes, I would take it and kind of tie it up on some different things I had up there. Uh, there was one, I want to show you a picture of this one. I found these, this, uncovered this, this whole pile of tomatoes that were so heavy that it was like breaking the vine they were on. So I took a bucket and I just put it on. You can see the little bucket there. Now, if, if my tomatoes had started talking to me and say, hey, Farmer Ken, you know, we kind of like being bushy. We, we, we kind of don't like, like, we, we kind of are attached to these little vines over here, and we don't necessarily like you cutting them off. Now, now don't, this, I'm only saying this allegorically. I don't have conversations with my tomatoes. I'm not growing any mushrooms or anything like that in my garden. There's nothing going on. But if it were to happen, I would probably say to my tomatoes, I don't care. I don't care if you want to be bushy. I don't care if you like this little branch I just cut off. I want tomatoes so that my good-looking wife who makes good food can make more food for me because that's what I want. And I want tomatoes. I don't want plants that have a good self-esteem, who feel good that they, how they look. I want tomatoes. And I, I want also, uh, a lot of my uh, neighbors, I give them different, different things from our garden, and I want them to know that Ken's a good gardener. I know that Rachel West is here, and I'm kind of hoping there's a little gardener envy happening as she sees my tomatoes, okay? But, like, uh, but I want to be known as, I want people to look at my garden and say, there's a good gardener here, okay? And I'm not so concerned how the plants feel. And, and, and this is the picture that Jesus is proclaiming here. He said, I'm a vine. You're a little branch that connects to me. I want you to bear fruit. You can't bear fruit unless you stay connected to me. And there's a vine dresser. He sees you. He sees us. And he says, this is going to bear fruit. This is, I'm going I'm to cut away things that are not going to bear fruit because I want fruit. And because when, when there's fruit... I get glory. And people look at these people that are following me, that are abiding in the vine, the word that became flesh. When they, when they see them, they say, aha, there's a good vine dresser. There's a good God in their lives 
who's bringing forth this fruit as they stay in the, in the, they abide in the word that became flesh. Now, you may look at that and say, you may hear that and kind of go, I don't know if I like that. I, that. That seems a little scary to me that there's a God who, can, who, who looks at me and says, if I want to cut this way, I'm going to cut it away. If, if I want to support this, so there's more fruit. I'm concerned about getting fruit that, makes me, that gives me glory. We may look at it and kind of go, what is this going to mean to me? Is, is, he, is he trustworthy? Is, is, can I rest in the fact that he's going to be concerned? Or is he only concerned about those two things? Almost as if Jesus hears maybe our doubts about this. And he says, I want you to, and he keeps talking. And he, 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 he brings us into what does it look like as he abides in the Father, as he stays connected with this vine of the Father, and he keeps going to verse 9. Let's look at John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You stay connected to me. You get fruit. You get joy, love, peace, self-control, kindness. As you stay connected to me, as you abide in me, and as my words abide in you. And there's a vine dresser, the Father. He, he prunes what doesn't bear fruit so that you can bear more fruit so that he gets glory. But he says, I want you to know, I when I invite you to abide in me, abide in my, I'm inviting you to abide in my love. And, and I, I, when you abide in my love, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Here's the word. If you keep my word, if you obey my word, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. Here's what he says. The Father looked at the Son. The Son looked at the Father, and they said, Jesus, I love you. And the Father said, and Jesus said, Father, I love you. There's only two times in the gospel where, we, where the, the audible voice of the Father was heard. Both times, he, he, he spoke words of affection for a son. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. There's one thing we can see about the Father and the Son. It's love. They deeply love each other. And the Father looked at the Son and said, I love you. But because I love you, I want you to go to the cross. I want you to take the sins of everybody because I want fruit. And he said to his son, I love you. Go to the cross because I want the fruits of untold millions who will believe in you and be, be made right with me through you so that you can bear fruit and I can get glory. And Jesus looked at the Father and said, I love you. I will obey your commands even though it's difficult for me even though it requires me to sacrifice myself and go to the cross. And Jesus looks at you and he says, abide in my love. You'll know this love that I have with the Father if you hear my commands and obey them. When you do that, you abide in my love. This is powerful. When we take the word of God that created everything that is seen, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, the actual words of God becoming flesh, we abide in him. We hear his commands. We obey them, which puts us in a place where we are abiding in his love and we know the love of the Father. 
you know, and I was talking about my tomatoes, and I was talking about pruning them and cutting them and supporting one. I wasn't unduly harsh with my tomatoes. I wasn't mean to them because I want tomatoes. And if I, I, I don't want to be mean to my tomato plants because I want them to give me tomatoes. So I'm not unduly harsh with them. I'm just cutting them, moving them, doing things so that they get more fruit, so they feel good about themselves with the amount of tomatoes they produce. Not by how good they look. Because I want tomatoes. And I want my good-looking wife to make more food for me so that I get the fruit of my garden. That's what Jesus, that's what God is saying. He doesn't want to deal harshly with you simply for the sake of dealing harshly. He, he loves you. And he, he, he will prune you. He will do a work in your life so that you bear more fruit. So he gets glory. How do we do this? How do you and I take the word of God, the words of, the, the, of Jesus, the word that became flesh, and abide in him, stay in the vine, abide, allow his words to abide in us so that we bear fruit and the Father gets glory? I want to give you an example. I want to talk to you about an example, a um, kind of a, a word picture that I've heard talked about before. Each of us has a hand with uh, four fingers and a thumb. Why don't you hold your hand up? How many fingers do you have? Four fingers and a thumb, okay? This is the guy who talks to tomatoes, so we're waving our hands here, okay? I I, want to give you an example. I want you to think about ways that you take the Word of God and make it a part of your everyday life. The first thing, the first thing, hold up one finger, please. Hold up one finger, okay? You'll be done soon. The weird gardener is going to be done soon, okay? The first thing we do is we listen to the Word of God. You come here on Sunday, you hear, you don't have to hold your fingers up, thank you. You can put them down. You, you hear the Word of God, and we listen to it. Maybe you down, through the week you download some podcasts while you're, while you're exercising, while you're driving, while you're going through your week. We hear, we listen to the Word of God. It's something that we, we, we should be doing regularly, uh, on a weekly basis at least, and then possibly during the week. The second thing we do, the second finger on our hand, we read it. We read the Word of God. So we listen to it, we hear it, and we read it. We cannot underestimate the power of us reading the Word of God. Here in America, actually, it feels almost like a, a disadvantage for us that we have so many great resources, so many great authors, so many great Bible study plans, that very often we read what other people are saying about the Bible rather than read it for ourselves. And so I want to invite you to, to, to Google Bible reading plans. You'll see, you'll see all kinds. Of, I mean, there could be some ways that you could just get a reading plan and start reading the Word of God. Maybe it's uh, read the New Testament from now until Christmas. Or maybe it's read the New Testament through the whole, in the course of a year. Maybe it's read one chapter a day or five verses a day. I, uh, every year I download a Bible reading plan where I read the whole Bible in the course of a year. I've been doing it for a number of years. Okay? You, can, you can just Google Bible reading plans and begin to do the second part of uh, how we hold on to the Word, how we implement the Word of God into our lives by reading it. I want to invite you to do that. The third thing, the third finger on our hand is studying it. Maybe it's through a grace group. Maybe it's through a group of people taking a, a book of the Bible and breaking it down and studying it together. Um, the fourth finger, you can hold the four fingers for me, please. Here we go, four fingers, four fingers, great. Fourth one is memorizing the Word of God. So we hear it, we read it, 
We study it with, either alone or with friends, and we memorize verses. Uh, now, if I take four fingers and really hold on to something, I get a pretty good grip. But the thumb, if I really want to hold on to something uh, firmly, the thumb's pretty important. And, and this last kind of w- uh, step we take, this last kind of thing we do to kind of bring the Word of God into the rhythms of our lives is we meditate upon it. Uh, we, we med- we, uh, when I talk about meditating, I'm not talking about like sitting with our legs crossed and making some kind of strange noises. I'm talking about taking the things we hear or we read or we study or we memorize and pondering them, considering how do I take this thing that God showed me, this one truth, and applying it to my life? How do I take it and apply it to my everyday life? And I consider it. I, prayer, I, prayerfully, I, I prayerfully think through how does this apply to my everyday life? So the things I hear, I, I, maybe I hear a sermon. I, I go home and maybe I talk it over with a friend and say, I wonder, what does this mean? How do I take this and apply this to my life? The things we, maybe a verse we're memorizing, okay? Now, uh, some of us, we're, we have, we're strong in different parts of the word. Uh, maybe we, 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 we regularly come to church and we hear the word of God. That, uh, and, and maybe we, every, even every now and then, kind of read it. Okay, so we hear it every Sunday, and we kind of maybe every now and then read it. That's almost like taking two fingers and holding on to something. If I have two, if I'm holding on to this with two fingers, you know, it's not bad. But if, 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 if difficult time comes up, if, if, if a storm of life comes up, I may lose my grip if I'm not using all of these here. So what we want to be talking about is being people who actually, who, who, who do work at and put our energies into moving the Word of God into all, all the areas of my life, using all of these here by memorizing with a friend. Maybe in your grace group, take it. We're going to memorize one or these verses over, over the next time. Maybe studying Word together, reading it on our own, uh, hearing it regularly, and using all these to get a good, firm grip on the Word of God, the Word that became flesh as we abide in Him and allow His words to abide in us. So the word of God has always been powerful, always the way he interacts with us. His word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he, he, was, he, 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 he told us, he said to us, I'm the vine, you're a little branch. You remain in me. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear fruit as the Father prunes your life, works in your life, supports the areas of your life that are bearing more and more fruit so that you bear more fruit so that he gets more glory. And then the last thing he says is so that your joy may be full. You know that you abide in the love that the Father and I have for each other and your joy is full. It's a wonderful picture that we we want to be people who take the, the, the truths of the gospel, move them into the word, the corners of our hearts and our minds by abiding in the word of God allowing him, his words to abide in us so that our joy may be full and we may know the love of the Father. I want to pray in a minute, but I want to just give you three random thoughts here at the end, okay? Maybe it's thoughts of a gardener or just maybe just some common sense things. But the first random thought is we need to be careful with this one. When we talk about the different rhythms, the number of times I've sat across from somebody either over coffee or just in a different counseling situation. And I've heard somebody say, you know, I need to read the Bible. I know I need to read the Bible more. And, for, and I, I don't always, don't, know, I always don't, don't always know how to respond because I want to say, 
Well, yeah, I, you need to read the Bible more, but I, all, I kind of sense sometimes where this becomes kind of the measuring stick for us. We feel, okay, I'm doing better as a Christian because I'm reading the Bible or I'm memorizing. And it, this can become, any of these rhythms can become the way that we measure ourselves. But we want to go back to the thing that Jesus said, you are already clean. We, you, you, you abiding in the word doesn't make you more or less attracted to God or desirable to him. You are clean. His love for you is already there. It's not going to be based upon how you do this. This is the mysterious part of it. We must put our energies into memorizing, studying, reading, hearing, meditating upon the word of God, abiding in the word of God, allowing the words of Jesus to abide in us. We have to guard ourselves guard ourselves against using that to measure ourselves and gain our worth from that. It's, it's a natural thing for many of you. I, I find it myself. The second thing, it's kind of just a random thought. You're not alone in this. In fact, we can't be alone in this. There's, there's a, there's a, when we look at this passage here, it's very clear the role that Jesus plays and the role that the Father plays. But we looked at Galatians 5 purposely because Paul says these are the fruits of the Spirit. That when we, when we allow the Word of God to abide in us, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to, to open our eyes to things, to drive certain truths home. We cannot, even in our own efforts of trying to abide in the Word, do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. But the second way that we're not alone and we can't be alone is even just within our, with, with, with other friends, with other followers of Jesus. These are, things are designed for us to live in community and as a community work the Word of God into the corners of our minds. In your grace groups, in your, in your small community, maybe with a group of friends, these are the places that we help each other and we stand by each other as we abide in the Word of God. As we abide in the vine, the word that became flesh, and allow his words to abide in us so that we bear fruit. Never meant to be alone. We've got the Holy Spirit, and we must stand with each other in this way. Here's a second one. I mean a third one. Um, fruit comes in its own season. Uh, when, when, I'm a, when I'm raising tomatoes, when I work in my garden, when a vine dresser is working in a vineyard, there's four seasons out of the year. There's a, there's a winter, there's a spring. There's, there's different times that the, that, 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 that the one who's taking care of a garden or one who's taking care of something that's growing, where he's different times where he's working in the soil, other times where he's, he's, he's pruning, other times he's supporting, other times he's fertilizing. There's only one of the seasons of the year that we get a harvest, that fruit comes. When God, when we begin to allow God's word to abide in us, I think we will see fast results. We'll see a change. But the real fruit may come in its own season. Give it time. Allow the Holy Spirit, allow God to bring forth the fruit in your life when he deems it's necessary. And allow it to grow. Because fruit comes in its own season. So, we're talking about the rhythm of 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 the word of God in our lives daily, weekly, monthly, regularly, allowing the words of the gospel to penetrate, push into the corners of our hearts and minds so that we drive out unbelief and we, we see the fruit that we so long for. Would you please, why don't you stand with me? Please, and we're going to pray and then we're going to spend some time worshiping God. I want to pray for you. I also just, uh, if you just bow your heads, close your eyes, I want to give us a chance in a minute just to be quiet. 
And I also just want to say, maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, I, 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 I hear these, these truths and I don't, I'm not even in the vine yet. I'm, I'm not, I haven't uh, even believed in Jesus. It's, it's, I, I hear you talk about the word that became flesh. And we want to say that uh, we want to invite you to enter into Jesus. Uh, believe in Jesus. Uh, enter into the vine. And if you need to talk to somebody, we can talk with any of the pastors, any of the worship leaders, maybe somebody that brought you. We want to continue to invite you to enter into the vine. Believe in Jesus because he, he was the word of God that made, became flesh and dwelt among us. But you may also be saying, I, I want to just give you a chance to stand before Jesus and just talk with him a minute. I'm going to just give you just 15 seconds of silence to talk to Jesus about abiding in him and having his word abiding in him. And then I'm going to pray for you. We're just going to be silent for a minute. Father, I want to pray for each of the people in this room. I want to pray for myself. Jesus, we, we see you as the word that became flesh. We believe in you. We believe that you were, the, you were with God in the beginning. Everything was created through you. Through your word, you spoke things into existence that didn't exist before. And we want to abide in you and allow your words to abide in us. So I, I, I ask you to move in the hearts and the minds of everyone in this room. I pray that you would be showing them steps they can take today and this week to read your word, memorize your word, study and meditate upon it, Father. We pray that you would, uh, through that, allow them to obey your commands, lead them to obey your commands so they can abide in your love and know the love that you have from the Father as you obey his commands. You are a good God. Your word is good. And the work you bring out, the work you do in us through that, is so good, and we long for it. We long to see the fruits of your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, move in us. Bring forth this fruit that only you can bring. We love you. Amen.